0: Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBree podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBree, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Market Analyst, Roman Zurich. Welcome everyone, to what is our last episode of FX Talk before we take a, a little bit of a break during the summer period and reconvene probably sometime in September, so be sure to look out for that. Um, I want to start by, by saying thank you to everyone who watched and or listened to our first ever video episode of FX Talk last time out. Lots of interesting discussions were had, and if you haven't been able to check that out, be sure to watch it on Ebriy's LinkedIn page. Uh, we talked in the last episode about the currencies that we thought may outperform in the second half of 2022, uh, and we put our three choices to our loyal followers on LinkedIn. Uh, interestingly, 30 uh, sorry, 46% of you uh, said the Swiss franc would be the best performer in the second half of this year, 16% the Australian dollar, uh, and 15% of you voted for the Polish slotty with 22% uh, saying it would be another currency. Uh, Thanks again to all of you that that participated in the poll. We'll no doubt be doing a few more of those uh, following upcoming episodes. Uh, But on to developments in the markets since our last episode. Uh, And to say it's been a busy period in markets would be uh, an understatement. Uh, The main talking point has, of course, been the the move below parity in euro dollar for the first time since December 2002. Uh, The the pair teetered on the brink of parity for a couple of trading sessions before falling fairly comfortably below it on Thursday. Uh, a divergence in, in natural gas prices across the Atlantic was, was largely to blame for the move, with last week's much hotter than expected US inflation print enough to drive the pair uh, quite comfortably f- through the key psychological level. Having said that, we have seen a, a bit of a recovery in the euro since the, since then, with euro-dollar moving back above the 102 level on, on rising bets in favour of a 50 basis point interest rate hike from the European Central Bank when it meets on Thursday. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on what we've seen in Eurodollar in the past week or so? Firstly, uh, the move below parity, and then, of course, the subsequent rebound ahead of Thursday's ECB meeting.
1: I mean, I think that the actual move below parity had a bit of a forced feel to it. like uh, the market players trying to Print just below 0.9999 so as to trigger certain structures out there. Um, And that's why we saw such a quick rebound even before we saw the news today that uh, the ECB may be considering a 50 basis point hike instead of 25 basis points on Thursday. Um, I think that even at current levels, uh, you know, the the euro price is seeing a lot of bad news. Basically, the certainty of, uh, of a significant recession in the eurozone, which I think is is far from uh, guaranteed so uh i was a bit surprised to see how quickly the euro made the trip from 104 to parity and i'm not surprised that it was a short-lived trip so far and that is back to close to
2: you know somewhere to 102
1: 103.
2: yes so i agree that there was a sense that there's that there was force uh, that the move was forced and I think that there was just an overwhelming sense that markets badly want to reach parity. And uh, I've read a number of uh, strategists, analysts saying that the likelihood of parity is in, indeed increased. And uh, almost everyone that I spoke to uh, had the uh, expectation that at some point it will uh, go to parity and perhaps slightly below. But I think that also... Mm, and there was also a nice narrative component uh, that was very fitting at that time, uh, particularly uh, revolving around the Russian gas. Um, you know and the certain level of the euro weakness and that we have seen I think has been justified. I mean after all the divergence in the gas prices has been uh, quite significant the risks uh, of a further disturbance in supply of gas, or an outright cut of gas supplies from Russia to Europe are cert- certainly there. Uh, we have deterioration in the terms of trade mm, and uh, risk to manufacturing because of all of that. So I think that a certain component in the downward move to the euro dollar uh, has been justified. Uh, but at the same time, just the uh, hitting this parity level uh, was more of a psychological. Um, thing in nature uh, more than anything else. And also, I think that uh, this uh, notion, this argument is supported by the fact that we saw a a rather significant rebound uh, from the parity level. We also uh, didn't see a very significant below parity level. Uh, And uh, this rebound in the euro-dollar is particularly interesting because uh, in recent days uh, if anything we had seen a um, increasing divergence between the prospects of the United States and the Eurozone with regards for instance to economic situation um, and uh, therefore I think that uh, just as uh, this decline to parity uh, hasn't been like fully justified by macroeconomics uh, this move right now is more of a knee jerk reaction and just uh, going back to where we should be. And um, uh, also, with regards to the recent increase in the euro dollar above the 102 level, certainly it had to do with the uh, noises from the ECB with the. Um, articles from Reuters and Bloomberg uh, that the uh, decision makers will consider a 50 basis point increase uh, at this week's uh, meeting and this has resulted in a repricing in the market expectations uh, towards the uh, European Central Bank so uh, a part of this increase that we have witnessed uh, can be attributed to monetary policy
0: yes well I think that was going to be my next question is um as you said we've seen a bit of a rebound in euro dollar back above the 102 level um at the time of recording a large part of that um has been these reports as you mentioned um uh, from like the bloomberg reuters on expectations leading up to Thursday's european central bank meeting um i think this is something we've been saying for, for some time now that we think there's been or there is more room for the, for the ecb to surprise markets than the federal reserve Um, I think there's a very good chance we do see a 50 basis point hike from the ECB this week. Um, Let's not forget the current levels of the euro uh, that's feeding into higher inflation. And that's something that I think policymakers will want to avoid. And a large hike could potentially um, be be supportive of the euro and further bring down inflation. So that that might be something that the ECB could be considering. If they do so, then that's clearly... Uh, bullish for, for the for the euro, providing the ECB can convince markets that this anti-fragmentation tool, which we'd like to get more details on on Thursday, will actually work uh, in closing spreads uh, in Europe. Um, but what do you guys think uh, leading up to the meeting? What, what are your sort of general expectations? Uh, Enrique? why don't we start with you?
1: Yeah, I think there's a 50-50 chance of 25 or is a 50 basis point hike. I think that the discussion is going to be uh less collegial than it has been in the past. I think it's going to be uh there's going to be a lot of sources and leaks uh during and after of what was said. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult for the Euro to give full details on the anti-fragmentation tool because i I think that there's starting to be a bit, for the first time in years, there's going to start to be some fundamental disagreement between central and northern uh, countries and the Mediterranean countries as to the uh, the key aspects of monetary policy. I mean, we we are saying here that people are losing sight a little bit the fact that uh, the anti fragmentation tool and and the interest rate hikes work at cross purposes at the margin. Uh, anything that means monetizing debt, uh, particularly sovereign debt from the the um, uh, France, Italy, Portugal, and Spain, which is what we're talking about. Uh, will be inflationary, and i 'm sure that the uh, the Dutch and German uh, representatives and increasingly the Baltic country representatives in the Euro- European Central Bank Council will draw attention to that so I, I think that uh, more so even more so than the decision in rates, the key will be uh, the details that emerge about the nature of the discussions about uh, monetary policy, anti-fragmentation, and especially the level of conditionality that southern countries will have to meet in order to uh, to be eligible for this anti-fragmentation tool. That's that's going to be the key discussion to me.
2: Yeah, I, I think that it's also 50-50, and the market also thinks it's around 50-50 right now, which uh, is up from around 10 to 20% previously. Mm, Which means that if we indeed would get a 50 basis point, uh, the euro should be supported by that increase, although not to the same extent as we could expect uh, earlier in the week when the pricing was different. Uh, At the same time, I think that the focus uh, should be on on two things. One is the uh, response of the ECB to worsening economic prospects and to the prospect of recession. Uh, On Thursday, we have an uh, important uh, deadline. There is the the maintenance of the Nord Stream One uh, gas pipeline, which is set to end on that date, uh, if it is not uh, restarted, and if there are further uh, evidence that the um, gas flow to Europe will be limited or halted, then uh, certainly the economic prospects will deteriorate further, and the ECB uh, will have to take it into account. Uh, so, I think that a number of questions um, to President Lagarde after the meeting. Will Will revolve around that topic. Uh, also, the anti fragmentation tool will certainly be important. I hope that the ECB uh, had enough time uh, to prepare this anti fragmentation tool and to have uh, some discussions on that. So um, we are we, we we receive some information because if we are not going to receive information on that, then uh, we might as well see markets getting spooked uh, as was the case uh, at the previous meeting.
0: Great, fantastic. I think we'll move on now and, and and talk about what we can expect in the next few weeks. As I said, um, we will be taking a little bit of a break um, yeah, from the podcast in the next few weeks, but we've still got plenty of uh, big events in, in markets that could could drive currencies. Uh, the, the sort of summer period, end of the second half of July, August, tends to be relatively quiet in the FX market. Uh, this time is likely to be different. We've already talked about the importance of the ECB meeting. We also have highly important meetings of of both the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England in the G3, as well as a host of other major central bank announcements that uh, are mostly, uh, almost almost universally I should say, expected to to see large interest rate hikes. As we've been saying for a few weeks, 50 is a new 25 when it comes to monetary policy normalisation. Um, As far as the Fed is concerned, um, 75 appears to be the new 50. The Fed raised rates by 75 basis points in June uh, and looks highly likely to do at least that at its meeting next week. Uh, Following the June inflation report, there's also been speculation that the Fed could even consider a full one percentage uh, point move um, following in the footsteps of the Bank of Canada. Inflation in the US has continued to show no signs of peaking with a headline measure rising to 9.1% last month versus the 8.8% expected. Uh, but those bets have eased quite a lot since then. The market seems to be of the view that a 75 basis point move is more likely than not, um, which, as we said, it is weighing a little bit on the, on the dollar slightly uh, as it retraces from its highs against most currencies. Um, so, so what do you guys both think of this? Were you surprised by the the latest US inflation print? And what do you think is in store for the Fed this month? Will we see a hundred basis point hike, or simply a seventy five basis point one?
1: I mean, I was surprised, like everybody else. I thought that in the in the latest inflation report out of May the Personal Consumer ex- Expenditures Inflation Report, which is used to be the one that the Federal Reserve paid uh, most attention to. If you looked at the core of that report, you had seen some stabilization around 4%, that is stripping the uh, increased prices in food and energy. And the June report, the CPI June report was uh, basically uh, told you that, that that was not the case, that we still are not seeing necessarily a stabilization of the core uh, uh, of, of inflation, um, so that's that the, the market was was right to be worried about that. I do think that uh, there's really little reason to to hit the market with 100 basis points. I mean, 75 basis points a quarter a median is still a really fast pace of uh, monetary policy tightening. 100 basis points the, would have little additional marginal impact on bringing down inflation, and it would just denote a certain level of, of panic on the part of policymakers, which would, would not be productive. So I think that we're going to see 75. I do think that uh, with the collapse in commodity, not the collapse, but the, the falling commodity prices, uh, even with fairly close to a, a peaking in headline inflation and a stabilization in, in core, albeit at totally unacceptable levels for both uh, economic agents and the central banks. Uh, so the need for shockingly, uh, to, for, for for shockers out of central banks will diminish going forward. What I think that the market has been a little too blasé is these expectations that rates in the US will stabilize around 3.5, and then we will see cuts. I think that we're going to need to see uh, terminal rates higher than that for longer than that than the market is predicting if we want to see inflation come back uh, to anywhere near like the Federal Reserve target.
2: Yeah, the inflation report was certainly uh, surprising and uh, particularly ominous sign was in the core inflation. Uh, if we look at the monthly changes there, uh, we actually had an uh, increase in acceleration from the previous month. Uh, so a, a 0.7% Increase and this was the uh, strongest increase from uh, in a year, uh, which is not a, a positive sign, certainly not something good for the Fed. Mm, and those prices, uh, st- the price increases seem to be uh, very broad at this point. Mm, nonetheless, uh, I I cannot see a good rationale right now uh, for a 100 basis point increase. Yes, we had some uh, relatively uh, good economic data from the US. Yes, we had the inflation beat, but what would be the benefit of uh, increasing the pace at this point when the recession risks are on the horizon and actually the market is pricing in cuts uh, in 2023? Uh, So particularly uh, at the point when the market doesn't expect a 100 basis point increase the pricing right now is i think around one in five Mm, i don't think that it would be beneficial for the fed and uh one of the arguments why they were uh, increasing the uh, pace of tightening in the uh, past months has been uh, to build credibility, uh, that they, to show that they are determined to fight inflation. But I don't think that uh, if they hike by 75 basis points, the markets will read that as they are not determined. Uh, pretty much everyone or almost everyone expects that. Uh, so I think that they're going to uh, go with the 75 basis point. And going forward, I think that the discussion and the market focus will move on the 2023. So uh, are we going to see cuts or whether the Federal Reserve would want to keep the rates uh, at uh, stable levels to make sure that the inflation is uh, expectations are anchored and that the inflation actually uh, can fall to comfortable levels for the central bank and the population.
0: And now, as we've been saying, we're taking a few weeks off uh, from the podcast before returning uh, for season three sometime in September, which gives us a good opportunity to talk about what to expect in markets in the interim. Uh, Attention remains firmly on recession fears, stoked by the sharp increase in consumer prices, notably energy costs. Of course, headlines surrounding Russian energy supplies to Europe are likely to remain market movers for some time yet, as of course are the latest inflation prints. Investors will also be paying close attention to to signs that these growth risks are are materialising in both the hard and soft data, the PMIs of business activity, Retail sales, for instance, will be, will be key indicators in that regard. Uh, as always, central bank announcements will also be key. We're seeing many central banks are actually taking a, a little bit of a break uh, in August, but not all of them. The Reserve Bank of Australia, Reserve Bank of New Zealand, for instance, look li- likely to continue raising rates next month, as does the Bank of England, uh, while a handful of other key emerging market central banks may follow suit, notably the likes of Brazil and India. Uh, but what are you guys looking out for in in August? or What do you think will be the main driver of markets in the next sort of six to eight weeks or so?
1: Um, clearly, in my mind, there's going to be the inflation numbers. I mean, uh, we're going to continue to get inflation reports throughout the summer. And markets are desperately trying to see when and where inflation is going to peak in the different markets. So um, that's... That's the, the the main data point people are going to look at. I think uh, the PMIs, uh, especially in the eurozone, which is uh, where the big the most of the recession fears are concentrated, the PMIs out of the eurozone are the the second most important number to follow. Uh, the, the 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 best leading indicator that we have for economic developments across the eurozone. For now, they're remaining at levels that are ju- that are you know, moderately expansionary and not consistent with that recession. So, if they stay there and don't drop below the, that 50 point, that, that 50 level that separates contraction from expansion, uh, I think that, uh, that that's going to be positive for risk assets in general and specifically the euro.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, in the next few months, uh, definitely um, near the end of the year, uh, the focus should be on uh, Europe, uh, Russian gas, uh, war in Ukraine, how those two things uh, will continue and uh, I hope that the disturbances or, or an outright cut of gas deliveries uh, will not change the Western countries resolve to support Ukraine um, but this is uh, going to be tested uh, likely with the gas disturbances um, also I think that uh, although Europe right now is on everybody's mind and it's likely going to remain very important going forward I think that we also should pay attention to other regions in the world uh, the US economy data for now uh, is holding up uh, relatively okay. Uh, however, it's expected to deteriorate uh, going forward. So uh, I'll be um, keeping my eye on that. And also Asia. Uh, I think that this is a, a topic that not many people are uh, keeping close attention to. Everybody's pretty much focused on Europe. But what we are witnessing now uh, is a, a certain level of social unrest in China, I think, or at least social disobedience with regards to to the pandemic and with regard to the uh, real estate uh, situation. So I'm interested to see how this will develop going forward. The pandemic and the China zero COVID is certainly a risk. And right now we are seeing an increase in cases. So uh, although um, there was some degree of optimism in the past few months, China is... um, entering a period without too many restrictions uh, or leaving the lockdowns, right now, I think that those risks have increased. So in addition to the situation in Europe, in addition to the US data, I'll keep focus on the situation in Asia and particularly in China, because uh, we can't forget that this is also one of the key engines for global growth. Uh, And uh, this may well dictate uh, whether we are going to see a significant downturn going forward or not.
0: Yes, I mean, for me, I think natural gas prices across the Atlantic will remain key. We've seen euro-dollar pretty much track um, European gas prices relative to the US. I think that's going to be absolutely crucial, particularly um, if we get positive headlines regarding the, the Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline. I think that's certainly be good news for the euro. Uh, one thing we've not touched on yet would be the Bank of England meeting in, in August, which I think is also shaping up to be a highly important one. Um, you know, we've been saying for some time, actually since the last MPC meeting, that the Bank of England needs to join the 50 Club in order to provide any real support for the pound. I think that they will, uh, and if they do so, then there's probably a bit of room for a rebound in sterling, Um, but also we'll be paying particularly close attention to the Tory leadership contest. Um, So far, uh, potential policy changes from a leadership change are unclear, but that may become more apparent and start to have more of an impact on sterling as we approach the announcement of the next uk prime minister um, which will be on the 5th of september and that's it from us if you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the fx market visit ivry's website or follow us on social media and don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app and let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.